Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. How are we going this morning? You doing well? Has everyone adjusted to that hour time difference? I think that was two weeks ago, but I still feel it. Is that weird? Yeah, okay, it's weird, just me. Anyway, um, yeah, we're in week two, the second and final part of the Escape Room series. Pastor Josh brought a great message last week. And again, this week, yeah, we're looking at, as I said before in the prayer, about uh, mental health and spiritual warfare, which are two really huge things. And uh, I feel like maybe even through COVID that a lot of these things have kind of been brought to the surface and I'm really excited about our Christmas festival play as well. The drama is, is tackling a lot of those personal battles, but we're also going to be doing that this morning because I think there's a, there's a lot of things that have come to the surface and, and I hear um, a lot of times that, you know, people are going through this stuff that we all go through it. I've, I've been through it. I've had my own journey through anxiety and, and seeing God bring some light and freedom into my life from it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's deep. But it's really good and I'm just so excited that, that God is here, you know. I'm so excited that he knows what he's doing and that he has the ability to heal. He has the ability to heal even deep emotional wounds that we have picked up from, from a young age, you know. And, and he is here right now and he's present. I'm believing that he's going to be doing that and I trust God that, that he will be doing that if we just kind of come before him and, and ask him to do so. So Pastor Mark kind of said that there's, there's two people in this world, that there's vegans and there are meat eaters. Um, but I've also realised that there are two other kinds of people in this world. There are people who love dogs and there are people who love cats. Yes? I am proud to say that I'm of the latter. I love cats nearly as much as Marilyn does. If you know Marilyn, you know she loves her cats. Cats are amazing and I just, I was thinking about it and I think that cat people are, not to toot my own horn, but I'm tooting Marilyn's horn, you know, cat people, I reckon are nice people. You, okay, hear me out. You never hear cat people bagging out dogs, right? You never hear them being like, oh, dogs suck, you know, they're always happy and they're wagging their tails and, you know, they bark and they bite humans sometimes, you know? You you don't hear cat people saying that, but all the time you hear dog people, they're like, oh, cats, they're horrible, you know, they're nasty, they're, you know, whatever people say about cats. I don't like, but so I just encourage you, if you're in the process of buying a pet, just think about what type of person do you want to become? <laughs> just, just think about that. I can't, I've got a cat, she's really cute, she's called Momo, and I wanted to bring her here just to balance out the, that's right Annie, um, just to balance out the, the cat and dog kind of ratio, because Belle brought little baby Lola up a, a, few, a few weeks ago, well last week, I can't remember, last week, yeah, but I didn't, so instead I've got a photo of her, you can see that she is extremely cute, is that up on the screens? There she is, look, she's reading the Bible! She's a holy cat. She's an indoor cat as well. I've, I've heard that one thing people don't really like about cats is that they, um, they can eat birds. Uh, another quick question, who likes KFC? <laughs> who enjoys eating turkey at Christmas time? 
It is true fact, humans consume more birds than cats do. Just saying, just saying. It's true, it's very true. But anyway, if that's your reason why you don't like cats, you can put that away because my cat, she's an indoor cat. Uh, she does try and make a few quick escapes at times through the door. She'll, like, um, as I head out, um, she dashes out and she always runs around to the same pipe and gives it a sniff and lets me pick her up and bring her back inside. So it's just a little, it's a little game, you know, it's a little game for her. Uh, she's never been out for a long time, um, up until recently, where a couple of weeks ago, a group of us, we went down to the CRC National Conference down in Adelaide, and I was staying at my parents' house uh, there, so I'd asked my uh, good-looking boyfriend to feed my cat. Um, I thought, you know, yes, it's good. It's going to work out. It's going to work out perfectly fine. Um, but on the day when, when Brock was feeding her, he gives me a call and he's like, Tash, you're not going to like this. Um, but Momo was outside, right? I, okay, um, just letting that sink in because I was shocked at the time. I'm like straight away in my head, I'm like, how did she do that? I know cats are escape artists. So I'm like imagining her like contorting her body to go through a tiny little gap in the wall or like to dig a hole somewhere or like I was, I was imagining her pulling down the extractor fan in my kitchen and climbing up through the vent. I'm like, how the heck did she get out? And then I realised that probably, it's probably my fault. <laughs> I think when I was leaving on, on that morning, uh, about 24 hours earlier, I, uh, I had bags and everything and I dropped something and she probably, she probably ran out. Anyway, so, so Brock rocks up with Jai, shout out to Jai. And, um, and yeah, they go to get inside my house um, through, the, through the back gate. And um, as soon as Momo hears their voices, she pops her head out from a soggy, wet mattress. She starts meowing, which is, you know, in the original language, probably like, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. I don't belong here. She starts meowing and, and they pick her up and, and um, bring her inside. But, you know, even though she's kind of itching to escape, I think she kind of realised that maybe, maybe it would have been better for her if she stayed in the room. <laughs> she was wet. She was cold. She was under, yeah, a soggy wet mattress by the side of my house, thanks to my, uh, my lovely neighbours, actually. Um, and, and unfortunately, she... That was a subtle dig. <laughs> they're here. They're here. They, they know. You, you can remove that if you like, Timbo. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> um, and in the process, she, she caught fleas, probably from the mattress now that I'm thinking about it. Um, <laughs> which is, is quite frustrating. Wet, soggy, flea-ridden and wanting to go back inside. It would have ended up far better for Momo if she didn't escape the room. You know, sometimes I think we can find ourselves a little bit like my cat. Sometimes when situations are hard, frustrating, painful, confusing, we can be itching, wanting to escape the room, wanting to get out, to, to leave old places and faces and memories and habits behind and, and escape the room. And sometimes that's actually okay. If we are in a dangerous environment, we need to leave or we get clear words 
from God. But we need to be careful that just because a door is open doesn't mean that we need to go through it. Just because an opportunity arrives or because we're feeling a certain way doesn't mean that we necessarily need to try and and escape that because we might actually find ourselves outside under a soggy wet mattress, flea ridden and wanting to go back to where we came. Especially when it comes to dealing or escaping the negative thoughts that can bombard our minds. Dealing with the, the, the fear or the doubt, the stress, the insecurity, the flat-out anxiety, or the myriad of other things that can bombard and attack the, the health of our mental state. But just because the opportunity comes, just because the door is open, doesn't mean that we need to take it. Sometimes I feel like we can always be looking for that escape, you know, looking, looking for a, a, a new opportunity, a new job. But the answer isn't in a new job. The answer isn't in a new partner. The answer isn't in a new school or, can you believe it, it's not in a new Netflix series either. The answer isn't in, in, in hermiting away at home or escaping people and, and, and the world around you. The, the answer isn't in those things. It's not in attaching yourself to an uh, addictive substance or joining some, some unbiblical religious practice. Can I plant a thought in your minds this morning that maybe... Maybe we don't need to escape the room when we understand that Jesus Christ is in the room. Maybe we don't need to escape the room when we understand that everything we need to live a life of abundance and a life in eternity is already within our reach. In Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour, the, the, the one who we worship and we lift up, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he's, a, he's already in the room. We're going to read this morning um, about a crazy, a crazy thing that happens in the Bible in Genesis 28. If you've read the Bible or um, been around church for a little while, you might have heard the phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And it's that Jacob um, who we're going to be looking at uh, an experience that he has in his life. It's pretty crazy. So read along with me in, um, in chapter 28, verse 10. It says, Jacob left Bathsheba and he set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Sensible. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Strange. Anyway, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, he says, and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. 
he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Bethel means the house of God. There is so much within that scripture. I was like, man, I want to preach just about about God turning pillows into pillars. And it's just like there's so much in it. But what what I wanted to zoom up on this morning um, is, is when Jacob wakes up and he says, wow, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Surely the Lord is here. And I was just not aware of it. And I feel like that is a word for some people this morning. Surely the Lord is here right now and you just may not be aware of him. Surely the Lord is in the place of your fear, in the place of your doubt, in the place of your pain, in the place of your insecurity, in the place that maybe you're itching to escape. Surely the Lord is there. And my prayer is that you will be able to gain an awareness of it. Jacob's dream helped him become aware of something that had already existed in the first place, which was access to heaven. You know, I thought for a long time that the person who I would be dating would would be, I kind of said that they're not going to be in Murray Bridge, right? I was kind of looking everywhere. (laughs) Oh, not desperately, that sounds a bit bad, but anyway... (laughs) But did you know, I was just not aware of it. Brock was already here the whole time. I feel like that's a word for some single brothers and sisters out there. Maybe you're just not aware, surely. <laughs> How often, though, do we think, well, if I go to the right place, if I make the right decisions, then I'll, you know, then I'll be okay. If I turn the right corner and uh, find the right job, the right person, maybe getting a little bit deeper, if I deal with my issues, if I deal with the the negative thoughts, if I I deal with the, the struggles and if I sort myself out and if everything sorts itself out, then I'll be okay. But we need to know this morning that God is already present and that everything we need is found in the presence of God. God has paid a great price for us to be able to have unlimited access to the presence of Jesus. He's he's paid a great price. He gave his one and only son so that we we can know him and have relationship with him and be able to enter into the presence of God. The presence of God is everywhere and that's a really good thing. Because it's in the presence of God where we can find freedom. It's in the presence of God where we can find healing. It's in the presence of God where we can find our forgiveness. We can can get shame will flee in the presence of God. It's in the presence of God where we understand our identity, when we we find out where we belong and, and why we belong, who we are. And chatting with Pastor Mark, I've been learning and discovering that one of the things that really fuels the, the fire of depression is actually not knowing your purpose or your identity, feeling like you're kind of moving backwards instead of moving forwards. 
It's when we come before God, it's in his presence where we actually get that purpose and we get that identity and, and he walks with us and he leads us and he guides us. With anxiety, often uh, one of the things that, that fuels that can be shame and fear. But again, it's in the presence of God where our fear flees, our shame flees. So many Bible verses to, to back that up. It's in the presence of God. And that's everywhere. But God in, in the Old Testament, um, yes, of course, his, his presence was and, and is everywhere because he is God. Um, and it's called omnipresence. He's, he's everywhere. But there was also specific times where he would pop in and he would, he would visit his people in a tangible and um, kind of, yeah, really big, awesome way, like when he revealed himself to Jacob in that dream. Uh, another time when he revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush in Upper Mountain where a thick, you know, a lot of cloud came and, and covered it and he would pop in and he would visit. But you see, God didn't just want to visit. He actually wanted to dwell. He wanted to live. He wanted a place where, where he could permanently abide. And so we're going to read Exodus 29. Um, it's, yeah, we, we hear that all throughout Exodus, but particularly Exodus 29, we're going to read verse 44. God says, I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar, and I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. He didn't just want to visit. He wanted to dwell. And there's a big difference between going to someone's house for a cuppa and um, them moving in, right? How weird would that be if you invited someone over and they came with like a moving truck, had all their stuff, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, but God wanted, he wanted to come. He, he wanted to bring the moving truck of his presence in and, and, and live and move in, um, in the neighborhood. And so there was a system that was set up um, where... Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Uh, there was a system that was, this, that was set up where God uh, kind of got these people to make an altar um, called the Ark of the Covenant. And if we've got a photo of that up, it's, it's pretty cool. It's nice and, and shiny. There's gold things on it and there's, there's cherubim like that. And, um, yeah, so God, God said, make this, and they'll put some articles inside of it. And then they also, he also got them to make a temple, a um, First it was a tent and then it was a temple. And, and God says, okay, I'll go there and I'll meet with you in that place. But as we read here, it's actually meant that for them to be able to go in and to, to enter into that room later called the Holy of Holies, um, to quote Lord of the Rings, one cannot simply walk into the Holy of Holies. Like there's a lot of things that they needed to do. They had to purify themselves and there was ceremonies and there was rituals which they needed to go through. There were songs that they had to sing to enter up the steps. So we can get the photo of that little room up as well. Uh, there was a big curtain that, that, yeah, that was there in the middle and there was, there was so many different things. There were sacrifices of animals that they had to make to be able to enter into the, the presence of God. And I'm glad that this, although was, was good for a time, this was only a shadow of what was to come. Even though God was, was dwelling, he didn't just want to live within one room. He wanted to, he wanted to escape the room. He wanted to be able to, 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 to be free to move and, and dwell and later live inside of us. And so this was all changed when um, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was sent to earth. When Jesus came, 
God had a master plan. So we're going to quickly go back to, um, to Genesis 28, to the dream that we read at the beginning. Looking at verse 12, Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to the heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. So this was kind of like the access point. It was like the symbolism of the access point to, to heaven with angels and God was standing above it. But have a listen to what, what uh, the Bible says when Jesus, he comes to earth and he's there and he's, he's living fully God, but fully man as well. And, and it says, as he was talking to one of his disciples who he had called, he says, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending. Sound familiar? On the son of man. He, he says, I... I will open up heaven and there'll be angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. God moved not just from the top of the staircase a few steps down when he wanted to get to know us. He didn't just move to the middle of the staircase. He didn't just walk fully down the staircase and stand on the earth. No, he chose to send his Son, fully God yet fully man, to walk down the staircase, then to become the staircase. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. There is no way to come to the Father except through me. Our Saviour, Jesus Christ, laid his body down to become the access point so we could have unlimited access to the presence of God, to the presence of our Father. He laid his body down so that us crummy, messed up, sinful human beings, not just the angels, but for us to be able to walk on his body laid bare, his body laid down so that we could encounter God, encounter his presence. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. Our God loves us so so much. He became the stairway so that we could come to know him. And Jesus, when, when he had died an excruciating death on the cross, which meant that we could then be covered. That's how it works. When we acknowledge, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. He, he covers us. He fills us. And before God, we seem and we look perfect so that we can enter into his presence. But Jesus, after he had died, the reason why we know that he's Lord and the reason why we, we worship him as God is because he didn't stay dead, right? He rose up again three days later and he walked and he talked with his disciples and he actually said to them, you'd think that that was a good setup, you know? He was there, he had scars in his hand to show that it was him, that he had risen, that he was alive, that he is alive, you think that's a good setup. But he actually says to his disciples, hey guys, it's better that I leave so that the helper, the Holy Spirit can come and live in you, can come and help you. And so Jesus ascends. And then we move into this new age that we're living in today that we look at in, in Acts, it's begun in Acts when the Holy Spirit came, where God moved from, from just being His presence, being in heaven and, and visiting the earth, to Him living and dwelling within the temple, to Him living and dwelling within Jesus, to then Him living and dwelling within us. If I can get the full band up, we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 3, Verse 16, it says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives among you? We actually become 
the temple, that place, if we can have that photo back up on the screen, that place that was blocked off by this, this thick curtain that, that you had to go through all these practices and things to be able to enter. When Jesus Christ died, that, that blue curtain there, that was torn in two as a symbolism that the Holy Spirit escaped the room. That the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, escaped the room so that He could move in to us, so that He could move into our hearts, even if it's messy, even when it's broken, even when it's a little bit dirty. Jesus Christ is so, so happy to live in you. He is so, so happy. And my prayer this morning, like like Jacob said when he awoke from that dream, is that every single one of us would, would become aware, oh my goodness, Not only is the Lord in this place, but the Lord is in this place. The Lord is inside of me. The Holy Spirit is alive and He's moving inside of me. Why don't we stand up on our feet? I think there's quite a bit that that God wants to do. And the reason why we're we're talking about this is because when it comes to, to mental health and it's it's a huge, yeah, like I said, it is a, it's a huge thing. But the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. It's so simple. He escaped the room to live inside of us, to call us His children, sons and daughters, which becomes our identity in Christ. Everything that we need is found in Jesus. And Jesus is found in us, right? Everything we need is found in Jesus and Jesus is found in us. He paid the price. He laid down His life. He became the stairway into into heaven, the access point for us to know God, to know our identity, to be healed, to be free, to be forgiven. Jesus has paid the price. And so right now, let's close our eyes. And Father, I just ask... Will you help us become aware? Lord, will you help us become aware right now of who we have inside of us, of what we have access to the whole time? We have access to heaven. We have access to everything that we need inside of us because of you, Jesus Christ. Let us become aware right now. Let us become aware, every single one of us, of who lives inside of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hey, if you've never actually asked Jesus to live inside of you, that's an important thing to do. It's it's very necessary. It's the best decision that you can ever make. And so with everyone's eyes closed, we're just going to do that first. If, If you've never made that decision and actually asked Jesus to live inside of you, accepted His sacrifice, that He laid His body down to become the staircase so that we could know Him, so that we could be covered, our sins would be covered. Our shame can flee. If if you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, I need you and Jesus, I want you to come into my life with everyone's eyes closed, can you just pop your hand up right now as a sign before God saying, yes, yes, I want you to come into my heart, come into my life. your hand 
hand up, pray this in your heart and God will hear you. Let's, let's just say it together. Dear Lord Jesus, I want you and I need you. I invite you into my life. I know I'm not perfect. I know I've made mistakes. But right now, I receive your forgiveness. I, for, I receive your grace. I love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That is the best decision that you will ever make. Those people, a couple of people who put their hands up. Praise God. Praise God. So, so good. The second thing that I just want to pray, pray with, and I think, I just think we can probably all receive of this. If we, if you feel comfortable just to stretch out your hand, I just want to pray again that God will make us aware that even in the place or of the doubt or the fear or the pain or whatever it is that's going on within your life, He knows. He knows. He knows the anxious thoughts of your mind. He knows the fears. He knows the things that are going deep, deep down inside of you that maybe you've never said before. And let's ask that in that place that you'll become aware that Jesus is there. That you'll become aware that in those crevices of your heart that that the Holy Spirit, when you invite Him in, is there. So let's pray for an awareness in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. God, we just pray in, in our hearts that we will become aware that You're inside of us. And we invite You, if there's um, more people who haven't actually said, can you come into my heart? We invite You right now into our heart. Nothing is off limits, Lord Jesus. Nothing is off limits for Your Spirit. We just ask right now, by Your Holy Spirit, will You make us aware, aware, awareness, pray that you awaken the awareness inside of us of, oh my gosh, Jesus is inside of my heart and He is so happy to be there. He is so happy to be at home in my heart. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.